Welcome to the CBS Eye on Money podcast. It is Tuesday, July 13th. I'm Jill Schlesinger, CFP, CBS News business analyst. I'm joined by my executive producer, Mark Talercio, also a CFP. Today, we're going to answer one of those questions that so many of you have, which is, are we on track financially? That's a real critical issue because if we have to make a change, we want to do that as quickly as we can. If you want to know whether you're on track, just send us an email, askjill at jillonmoney.com. Or if you're on our website, jillonmoney.com, click the contact button. It's very easy. So next up is Antonio in Georgia. Is he on track? Stay tuned. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. So Antonio is joining us from Georgia. So welcome to the program. Thank you so much for hanging out with us a little bit. What's going on for you? I was hoping to get some of of your guidance and insight on a couple of things. Uh, Firstly, just kind of, you know, a general check-in if, you know, what your perspective is with my wife and my situation, if you think we're on track, if there's anything we could be doing better. And I've got some all the specs for you. Um, also, just wanted to get maybe your perspective on a question regarding uh, student loans. And then if we have time, uh, just a short question on on bonds, if there's time. I like all of the subjects that are teed up. So you know what? I might keep you on the line for a little bit. Okay. So the general check-in starts with, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. Well, my wife and I, uh, she is 31. I'm 36. Uh, Our income, we've been fortunate, has risen fairly dramatically in the last maybe five years or so combined. We make uh, about 290. Mm. Uh, I make 200. She makes about 90. Uh, She contributes 25% of her income split between traditional and Roth to a a 503B, I think is what it is. She works for a nonprofit. 403B. Thank you. 403B. Her employer kicks in uh, 6,000 a year. I contribute currently 22% of my income split also between Roth and traditional, and my employer kicks in about 9000 a year. My plan allows for the mega backdoor uh, in-plan Roth conversion, so I take advantage of that. We both plan to contribute, um, kind of add to our contribution percentage each year until we get to 30% is our goal. We both, for the first time this year, are doing backdoor Roth IRAs. We have to do those separately because we uh, we file our taxes separately for uh, purposes of student loans for now, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so currently, that puts us, we contribute between ours and employer uh, retirement contribution about, that's like 88000 a year. That's a ton. 88? Yeah. So my 22, her 25 plus the 15 or so from employers comes to about 88. Yeah. So that's amazing. And you're young. And do you have any kids? We do. We have an 11 month year old daughter. Um, We have a 529 plan for her that's got, uh, I think, like seven or 8,000 in there right now. Okay, good. Are you making 
ongoing contributions to that 529 plan or are you uh, doing like lump sum as it, as your ability to do so arises? A little bit of both. We do a lump sum whenever we get some extra cash. I get bonuses and things like that. But on an average, we contribute at least a couple hundred bucks a month to it. Great. Okay. Right now, uh, you're living in a rental or in a uh, primary residence that you own? Uh, we own currently. And what do you think that house is worth? Uh, about 460 and we owe about 280 at four and a quarter percent. Four and a quarter? Hmm. You didn't want to refi? Uh, I think we're going to be moving in the next year or so. So we've uh, been here for about four years and it just didn't make sense. Yeah. Okay. So four and a quarter is high for right now. Why the move? Just because you need more space or because you're moving into a different location? Uh, similar location. We'll probably stay in this area, but uh, we've been in townhomes uh, for the last several years. And I think it's time to move into something. I say this, you know, mm-hmm. the beauty of rental, uh, renting always crosses my mind, but I think we'd like something with kind of a yard and maybe some more bedrooms for when her parents come and stay with us. Got it. Okay. And will you have to spend more money on the next dwelling? Does anybody ever say no to that? I know. I mean, yeah. even when people are downsizing, it always ends up like, oh, yeah. wow, I actually paid as much as I, you know, crazy, right? Yeah. So this house is worth, like I said, about 460 Our new budget is uh, close to eight. Uh, okay. So now let's talk about the money you have that is actually in safe assets, meaning mm-hmm. your emergency reserve fund. Yep. So we've got a six month emergency reserve fund, uh, mostly in cash and the rest. Uh, it's, I have a small portion that is invested in safe investments, but we've got six months and then we've got, uh, I have about 10,000. I max out my HSA every month. Oh, good. And then we also have um, kind of separate buckets for savings. Mm-hmm. So we've got maybe 30,000 uh, split between kind of our vacation and car fund if we need to get new cars. And then lastly, we have about another 100000 in a brokerage that is set aside for uh, down payment money on the next house plus the equity in this house. Okay. And that brokerage is invested in what? Everything that I have invested across my HSA, my brokerage, our, uh, our retirement accounts is all in S&P low cost index. But you think you're going to be looking to move within a year or in a year or two? Like, What do you think the time horizon is on that? I would say within the next year, which is why all the money that I've been putting into that account for maybe the past six months, I haven't actually converted into an investment. It's just okay. in the money market. Yeah. I mean, because obviously I'd get nervous about that, right? Yeah. We want you to have no risk in that, whatever that fund is. Now that you're within the year, now it's time to say, okay, the risk portion of our adventure is now over for that account. Um, all right. That's good. So we got the 529, we got the brokerage, we got the emergency reserve. You mentioned that there is student loan debt. It's your wife's student loan debt, right? Exactly, yep. And how much is outstanding on that? There's a couple things going on there. It's combined federal balance of about 80000 I have no student loan debt. She is part of the public student loan forgiveness program, and we have yeah. been absolutely dotting every I, crossing every T, because as you probably know, there's a lot of ins and a lot of outs. Yeah, I think exactly three people have gotten their loans. Yeah, something like three. Yeah, Yeah. so she is, I think, very much on track for it. However, we we had a sit down a couple of years ago when we realized, hey, we've got enough cash if we wanted to pay it off. And as you know, of course, since March of last year, it's actually been in forbearance, which is cool. But we sat down and we decided to write it out to see if, if it, it does indeed get forgiven. So we're five years into the 10 years now. Wow. 
what we decided to do is to sort of hedge our risk because I you know, just don't have a ton of faith in, in the process, I guess, just not having seen it. Now we've put about five to $700 a month into a, a brokerage account every month. It's now up to about 20,000 and we'll continue to do that for the next five years. If it doesn't get forgiven, then we have the ability to pay it off. That's so funny. I love that. That's such a great hedge because um, it's sort of a win-win, like worst case yeah. scenario, big deal. You're making your payments. You're you're trudging towards that period. But if it does not get forgiven in right. that period, then you're like, oh, I have the money. Now, of course, if it does get forgiven, now that's just more money for you guys. So that's Big party. Awesome. We'll have a giant party. We'll have a giant party. So I like, like that. Your perspective, if you think that's a good um, way to proceed. And also, a quick update, last week, she received an, up, uh, an email, believe it or not, from Fed Loan Servicing saying, hey, just so you know, you haven't had to, we've continued to make payments on it. Yeah. It's only like 200 bucks a month. And yeah. honestly, I just don't trust that the government's going to remember in five years that you didn't, because you have to make you know 120 consecutive payments. Right. They're actually allowing during the forbearance for each month, it, it contributes to, towards those 120 payments. However, we opted out of that and have still continued to give the government money. They emailed her last week saying, hey, just so you know, you haven't had to make these payments till Mar- since March of last year and actually until September of this year. So you're looking at 18 months. So they have said, if you want, we'll give you your four grand back. And I'm just not really sure what to do there. No, uh-uh. I'm with you. Just it's fine. I, I mean, seriously, because whatever the money in a brokerage, I, you know, if you have it in a brokerage account, it's I know it's zero percent. It's but I don't trust it either. I would make sure you print out that email, of course, and put it in your special super duper file um, and save that in the cloud because I don't trust it either. I think that this is a great way to proceed because you have the ability to do so for everyone else listening. I know you don't actually have the choice because most people who are in the PSLF, the Public Student Loan Forgiveness Program, are in it because they're working in nonprofits and they're not making a ton of money and they don't have this ability. But if you do have the ability, I love it. And this is why you guys file separately. Is that right? Why in terms of taxation because of the student loan? Exactly right. So it's on an income-driven uh, repayment plan. So by filing separately, it doesn't take my income into account. Okay, got it. All right. Now, it's only like 200 bucks a month. That's great. Uh, how much money do you have saved in your total retirement accounts right now? Like just give me a ballpark of, um, you know, Roth yeah. and traditional. Between the two of us, uh, about 450. That's great. You're so young. It's great. It is. Okay. I think you're in amazing shape. Keep doing what you're doing. I love it. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500 500. Now, finally, 
you said you had a question about bonds. And I presume it's because all of your money is in an S&P stock index fund of some sort, right? That's exactly right. Everything is in a low cost S&P 500 index fund. But listening to your show has definitely, you know, I've always understood the conventional wisdom that you should have a balanced portfolio split between equities and bonds, but it, it never really sunk in. I'm still not sure that I'm, I'm quite ready for bonds yet, but I, I understand at least now that I think I'll have to make the plunge at some point. So, you know, I started to look into it and everyone, including I think yourself, you know, recommends low cost kind of total bond market funds or something similar. And I was just curious, you know, looking at how that kind of fund operates. And I I love the idea, obviously, of funds when it comes to stocks and equities, but with a bond that you maybe buy from the treasury, obviously it has either a zero coupon or coupons that guarantee those interest payments and you get your principal back. Whereas with the funds, you can obviously have a negative, you know, it can turn down. So I was curious, why is a bond fund that could perceivably lose its principal value more advantageous than buying funds directly from, you know, treasury direct? Very good question. First of all, you know, I don't think that buying treasuries right now would be where I'd go for you. And so if anything, I'd be thinking because most of your money is in retirement assets, right? And you have no tax, current taxation that you need to worry about. I would look, be likely to look at a corporate bond, probably an intermediate term, meaning no longer than 10 years, probably no longer than a seven year bond. The longer the duration of the bond, right? if you go 30 years, the more susceptible that bond price will be to price fluctuations. So I think the question you're asking is a great one. Why should I buy a bond fund versus buying an individual bond? First of all, obviously in your retirement accounts, you don't have the ability to do that, but you would in your Roth accounts. And so the main reason has always been that buying individual bonds can be expensive. It's like one of those weird parts of the marketplace where there hasn't been the same kind of price pressure downward on buying individual securities in fixed income markets as there has been in the equity markets. So in other words, you can buy a stock for $0 on an app right now, right? I'm not sure you can do that for an individual bond because the bond market does something that's called a markup. So you buy a bond it's a price, but then the actual cost is built in. The The price of the bond is marked up to actually make sure that the person selling that bond gets paid. So most people are choosing, unless you have a bunch of money, because of the cost of buying bonds and the market's a little bit, it's a little bit tougher to get into without big dollars, that most people are using bond funds. But you rightly point out, so let's just say I buy a bond, okay? I lend you money. That's all a bond is. Everyone's listening. I go, oh my God, bonds are so mysterious. It's a loan, guys. Come on. So I lend somebody money, an institution. Let's just call it a plain company. Uh, you live you live in Georgia, so I'm just going to say, let's say I buy a Coca-Cola bond. I'm basically lending Coca-Cola money. Coke is going to say, we're going to thank you so much for your, for your loan, Jill. For that loan, we're going to pay you interest of, I'll make it up, 3% for the next seven years. And you're going to get paid twice a year. So that 3%, the stated amount of money that they're going to pay me, that fixed interest, that's why it's called fixed income, that remains for the whole term of the bond. And why would the price of the bond fluctuate? Because the prevailing interest rates will start to change the value of the bond. Here's what I mean. If all of a sudden I can get 5% 
5% in a new corporate bond, but I own an old 3% bond, well, guess what? The bond value is going to go down. Conversely, if all of a sudden interest rates plunge and my 3% is quite valuable when I can only get 1% elsewhere, then the value of my bond will rise. But at the end of the day, with an individual bond, I'm going to get the money that I lent back. I'm going to get my principal redeemed. And so that's what you're talking about, which is there can be price fluctuation during the period that I hold the bond. But at the end of the day, at the end of that term, seven years, let's pretend, I'm going to get the money back that I actually put into this this holding and this in this loan. They're going to pay me back and I will have earned 3% a year on that. Okay. Now, with a bond fund, guess what? You're right. Yes, bonds are maturing inside of the portfolio that the bond manager holds or the bond index holds. But the price, the fluctuation is going to be a little bit different. Here's how you get compensated for that risk that you're taking. When the price of the bond fund, the whole, the total value of the fund goes down, every time a bond matures, right, or is redeemed, the fund manager gets cash and is buying a new slug of bonds. So you're basically reinvesting money and you yourself are reinvesting money at intervals that are lower. When you buy a bond, it's going to feel weird for you in the beginning and your arm might hurt. But over the long run, you're going to actually inoculate your portfolio in a way that it will act differently as the economy changes in the future. My hope for you is that you start to do a little bit of research on the bond market. You start looking at what's available. Um, look what's inside of your retirement accounts. See if you can just get and just even if you just put 10% in the bond fund and watch it and see how it moves maybe from, you know, quarter to quarter and you'll get a better feel for it. Because I do think it is quite limiting to only be in, in the stock market. And it's just as it would be quite limiting to only be in the bond market. You know, I've had conversations with 92-year-old people and say, you need stocks in your portfolio and, and even just a little bit. So what do you think? Can you do that? Can you wrap your arms around that idea? I think I definitely can, especially after, ex after your explanation. You know, I definitely go with a, with a fund type of investment. So it's starting to pique my interest and in, in maybe, you know, five or 10% is a good starting point. Right. You, Mark is saying that you could look at your whole retirement portfolio, right? The 450 grand in retirement, right? And you could say, I'm going to pick whichever of the, my accounts has the best bond fund. I'm going to pop 50 grand into that fund. And that will be for all of the accounts. I'll be able to say, all right, I have about 10, 11% in bonds. And by the way, you notice how I went to 10. He says five. I yeah. said 10. Um, but anyway, I think that that's that's a good point, Mark, that it's great to be able to say, you know, for many people, they don't like doing that, but you you absolutely can do it, especially because you have so many different accounts. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes All right. Sense. You got your you got your estate planning done. So the last two, like just things I wanted to mention before we wrapped up were one, I had never really thought about estate planning until I started listening to your show. Uh, we're meeting with the attorney on Monday. Yes. Uh, we got that set up. And the last thing I just thought you might think is a fun little factoid is my first job out of college was with a uh, group insurance company. Yeah. And we got like really cheap rates for stuff. So they were at the time exiting long-term care, which I've heard you talk about because it was just kind of unprofitable for them. So when I heard it was unprofitable for them, I thought, hey, I should scoop some of this up before you know they, they close it out. So I now pay my $13 a month for my long-term care policy. <laughs> 
140 bucks a year or something. I think it comes to that I'll have from now. Wow. That is amazing. Meanwhile, my mother just calls me and she says, oh, I paid that long-term care (laughs) policy bill. She wants to give it up. She's 81. I'm like, mom, now you're going to give it up after all these years. Now I actually might be able to make a claim on you. So I made her pay it. All right, Antonio, you are in great shape. Thank you so much for joining us and I wish you the best of luck. Give us a shout back and let us know how the bond buying is going, okay? I certainly will. Thank you both for your time this morning. It was great chatting with you. If you, like Antonio, want to figure out whether or not you are on track with whatever your financial goal is, just send us a note, a quick email, ask Jill at jillonmoney.com or bookmark our website, jillonmoney.com. There's a contact button there. It's very easy to do. So as always, I want to thank Mark Telericio, the best executive producer in the world, and want to remind you to try to lift someone else up today. It will make that person feel good. It will make you feel good. Here at Ion Money, we've got a mantra for 2021. Curiosity. I know you're curious. You're listening to the show. Compassion. Don't judge other people, whether they have no money or lots of money. Let's have compassion and let's build up this community. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Thursday. If you like Money Watch, you can listen early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be, because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Divya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.